0: Hey, everybody. Happy week. Welcome back to Rise Up the Podcast. This is Greg Beast Brenlian. I will be solo today. I will be without my partners in crime, Scotty Rodge, who's still on the road finishing up his camp season. Danny Seibel's got a work event that he could not avoid, and our producers are out east having a time. So I'm going to be here by myself. I just finished up an epic week with Face Off Academy. We were at the Naval Academy running our FOA overnight. What an incredible experience, one-of-a-kind place, and we got to rub shoulders with some of the greatest men and women in the country, so it was pretty awesome. The kids had a great time. I am now in Baltimore. PLL Baltimore is coming up this weekend, and we are going to be discussing some things with Dan Alexander, my buddy from PLL Bets. We're going to be talking about the games from last week and this week. We're going to be touching on some things from the betting side of stuff and some trends, and we're going to be talking about this next weekend that is going to be pivotal for teams to figure out if they're going to be in the playoff conversation or not. We've also got some other trends that we have to discuss. Obviously, one of the elephants in the room, as usual throughout this entire summer, is concede gate. Lacrosse teams using, uh, opting not to go with faceoff guys, instead, they're going with long poles, playing a prevent style formation, and how it's affecting the outcomes of the games. So let's dive right into that. Last weekend, first game, uh, first weekend after the PLL All Star break, which was pretty epic, the guys got back after it. There are some notable guys coming back into the fold off of injuries from World Games, and we'll get to that in a second. Let's start with the Atlas versus the Chrome. The Atlas beat the Chrome, it was a battle uh, between two teams that have been struggling all season. And, you know, I think one of the things that we were all focusing on is what was going to happen with the prevent. The Chrome decided PLL All Star, Connor Farrell, was not dressed. They went with a poll instead, they went with the prevent. And because of that, the Atlas obviously had their way. Uh, it seemed like Trevor Baptiste has been adapting a little bit more every single week to this 32 second shot clock, and the Atlas got their fair share. They ended up winning by two against the Chrome. One of the things to notice in this, he actually did create offense off of a few fast breaks, including a reverse clamp. He went 21 for 22 with 20 ground balls and an assist. That was pretty incredible. When you look at the the goal scoring, each team had a two-point bomb, but because of the face-off advantage, the Atlas almost doubled up the chrome on ground balls. Uh, Shot percentage was in the chrome's favor, but one of the things that were a little bit more even this week were the turnovers. Now the Chrome have been averaging somewhere between 12 to 18 turnovers a game. And most of them have been off of the face off this past week. It was a lot more even and you know, they got great goaltending and they played better defense, but the Atlas were just a little bit too much. I think one of the things to notice now coming up in the next week, even though teams are playing the prevent and, it's going the way of the prevent team a lot. What we're seeing is these face-off guys are actually getting butchered out there. They are winning the clamp, and then they're getting slashed up and down the field. And it's not being called. They're letting them play. But I was just at the, like I said, I was at camp this past week. I was working with Mike Sisselberger and Trevor Baptiste, who both uh, played the weekend before, and they're face-off academy coaches. And these guys looked like they just came out of a hospital ward. I mean, Sisselberger's leg was completely slashed from the knee all the way down his shin. Trevor's arm looked like hamburger. I don't know how much longer these guys can do this. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Trevor's beat up, but he, you know, he's feeling a little bit better. He had a foot situation over the All Star break, but that that's feeling better. But you know, you ask a lot of these faceoff guys, I can tell you from experience, we would rather go fifty-five or sixty percent against an elite level faceoff guy then go 99% and get absolutely destroyed on our arms and legs and knees by slashes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because I'm not sure how much more these guys can take with that. It does seem like the Chrome have a decision to make, though. Farrell out of the lineup, they still lose. They are now 1-5. in five. I think the biggest issue for the Chrome is they just can't get the goal scoring going. They have a, a, a 54 goals on the season. That is by far... The, the lowest in the league, they have a score differential of minus 16. we got four games left in the regular season. I'm not saying, you know, some people might think that they're just going to stay where they're at because they might win the Brendan O'Neill sweepstakes for next season. But if you ask any of the guys on that team, they're not, they have no interest in that. They want to make the playoffs. And as we know in this league, if you make the playoffs, you have a shot. And uh, right now they're at one and five. got to figure it out. They are now are, They have a tiebreaker issue now with the Atlas, who are one game in front of them, and they have the tiebreaker. So that is just something to take a look at this coming week. I do like the way that the Chrome played defense this week. I think defensively, they're still solid. It's just how can they get the scoring going on offense? When we look at the Cannons and the Redwoods, Game 2, the, uh, the over was shouting at us. I mean, we, we got 26 goals, which was amazing. I believe the OU on that was around 23-and-a-half last week. That 23-and-a-half is, is tough. It's, it's, that number is really scary. We'll talk to Dan Alexander about what do you do with that number because it seems low, but when you had the, the way those teams were playing the week before, it was kind of hard to, to not go with the, uh, the under. So when you're looking at this game here, Cannons versus the Redwoods, Cannons came out firing, and they played a prevent defense too on the face off in fact they just dropped Jake Fopp off of their roster and they have no interest in taking reps right now and why would they they're on a roll the team is hot the offense is putting up numbers like crazy the redwoods actually had a great first quarter they were up 3-2 and then the cannons outscored them 10 to 6 in the second and third quarters and then outscored them again in the fourth quarter 4 to 1 and this offense is humming right now and i know a lot of people were talking about people are screaming at each other on lax twitter Because Dugues said that the team was better off without Lyle Thompson. Thompson. And, you know, you can say what you want. He's still one of the greatest players in the world, 100%. But it's hard to argue with the product we're seeing on the offensive side of the field. The Cannons are killing guys with ball speed. The passes are just whipping around. The offense is getting touches. And they're a big shoot-off of the pass team. Their offense is humming, and, and, and Holman looks like he's a, a third-year player right now. He is fresh. He's killing it. He really understands the offense. I'm sure having your father as the head coach helps the understanding of that. But he had seven points last week, and this offense is looking great. Every, it's a very unselfish offense, so it's pretty cool to watch. Uh, on the on the Redwood side, Westberg had four points. He was cutting inside, getting his goals, doing what he does best. T. D. Erland was 29 for 30, going against Poles. He had 29 ground balls. And once again, getting the faceoff isn't helping the situation for these teams. The shot clock is too fast. If you can't pinch and pop and run by your LSM, then there's really no use uh, in winning the faceoff right now, which is kind of freaky. Uh, however, when you look at the other parts of the game, the uh, the, the Redwoods actually had, Twice as many turnovers, and I think that's what really killed them. They had 18 turnovers. Uh, that gave the, the ball back to the cannons. And You know, when you have an exceptional offense, it's going to kill you. So it, it'll be interesting. The, the cannons seem like the hottest team in the league right now. Them and the archers seem to be a little bit on a collision course right now. So I'm going to be excited to watch that play out. The Redwoods, however, have to figure it out in the midfield. They just don't – they're not getting any midfield play. They shake things up. They sat Miles Jones last week to see if that would help. But it just doesn't seem to be correlating to offense. I don't know if it's a scheme issue. I don't know if it's a personnel issue. But we're we, – there's no trades that have happened that seem to be shaking the lineup up. So this might be just the roster they have. So we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, I, like many people, expected the Redwoods to be playing a little bit better this year. However – they're still at 3-3. Three and three. They are sitting in a situation where they're a couple games ahead of the Chrome, and I think this offense can continue to score as they figure out. I think they're one or two parts in the midfield away from being a complete team. They're always going to have their defense, which is always solid, So, and they're going to have TD there, which in any other year would be a massive advantage, but they're going to get their possessions. So that's something to take a look at. Now, that's the first day of games from last weekend that's the Saturday games I want to talk about the Sunday games and to help me do that is my man Dan Alexander joining me here from PLL bets big dog how you doing brother
1: Greg what an absolute pleasure my guy when you reached out and said dude we got to start talking some lines here on rise up uh you know that I was Chomping at the bit to get on here, brother. So it's great seeing you, man. How you been,
0: dude? I'm good, man. I've, uh, you know, you and I have been comparing notes. We've been crushing it this season um, on the on the on the bet side of stuff. But you know, this whole prevent defense thing on the faceoff is throwing a little bit of wrench in yep. some stuff. So you know, a couple weeks ago, I was saying, oh, this is easy. If they're playing a pre, if their team is playing a prevent, we're going under. It wasn't the case this past weekend. And, and the, the perfect yeah. example is these two games that we're going to talk about right now. If you want to help me kind of review last weekend's Sunday slate, the Water Dogs and the Archers, um, you know, that was a, a heck of a slobber knocker. Um, but let's, talk, let's first talk about the Archers um, this past weekend. What, what, what was your takeaway when you saw the Archers versus the Dogs?
1: Here here was one thing that's more of just a macro view before I get into that game specifically is just one thing that I do throughout the collegiate season as well is when you see teams playing indoors, which is kind of what ended up happening. Sure, it was a facility. It was a full field and everything but it seems like it's a little bit tougher maybe for goalies. Look at how much Blaze Reardon struggled in cage. You know, maybe it's just a little bit different of a glare. Maybe it's the way um, that the game goes. But whenever games even in the collegiate season are going to be played inside of a stadium like that or inside of a a facility like that, I always lean towards overs. So already heading into this weekend, I thought we were going to see some scoring. Now, now, Greg beast I, I didn't think we were going to see 19 to 18 and then followed up with two teams that t- typically are you know are lower scoring 17 16 um the thing is is you know why did it take so long for that scoring to happen because on saturday it was the exact opposite but as, as far as that water dogs archers game goes um it's funny to me that the the record you know being tied for how many points was scored in a game uh both of them happen when the archers and and water dogs you know face off and uh or when the water dogs are on the field and also they both happen when you don't have ward in cage so I find that a little bit interesting you know not not trying to bash DeLuca or anything but uh it is funny that when wardo's not in cage it seems like people can finally match that output that the water dogs put up
0: that's actually a great point and I think the Indoor thing is fascinating because as you say it, yeah. I'm thinking as a, from a goalies viewpoint, you're probably used to seeing a lot of open space in front of you. And when you're inside and you're seeing extra seat backs and the glare of the of the lights inside, that might add a whole different element, aside from the fact that usually when you're playing indoor, that turfs a little harder. So mm-hmm. high bouncers will go. Uh so that's an interesting, an interesting tidbit. Now, one thing I was never prepared for. I will never go with the under against the archers. I will never do that. The one oh, thing no. that did burn me is I have a, a very strong rule on not going the over when Blaze is in cage. That one got me this past week. Um, yeah. But when you're talking about the water dogs archers game, um, you know, I, I was actually I was so on the fence about this game that I just went with the money line for the archers uh, because I wasn't yeah. quite sure. Love that play. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure if they were going to go, if they were going to win by two. I didn't think they were going to be able to win by two. Um, and the 1.5 is the favorite bet in the PLL. That plus one and a half is usually the safest one. Um, but I was really curious because that was the first game Sisselberger played against the Prevent, And I was real curious. And, and his game plan was actually something that I haven't seen anybody do yet. And he just volume shot. And I think that's the smart way to do it. You go to the cage. You rip it. If you hit the corner, you're a hero. If you hit it wide, the clock stops. You get off the field. And I think one of the scary things about the Archers is you're winning face-offs, and their 32-second clock proficiency is staggering. So if they keep that up, they have a huge advantage on every team they play
1: yeah and I, I also think that's just the nature of their offense you know because of the way that they're able to move that ball around and the quick twitch ability that they have not only in transition but in settled as well but when you talk about this 32 second clock it almost quasi becomes transition because you don't have an opportunity to get into to settled and that just plays in perfectly to what the archers want to do anyways like the archers want to have your head spinning around and not knowing where that's going to come from uh, I also think you know for what it's worth, that's where the cannon successes come from as well they kind of took that page out of the archers book on how quick they want to move the ball i believe that the cannons are actually um having the most touches throughout these games second uh you you know only seconded by archers as well so i'm right there with you and i think one of the things that i think frustrates me about the 32 second clock is that one of the things that the Archers have always been struggling to find is the face-off guy. And, and now they have that in Sisselberger. And now it's just kind of like, oh, by the way, it doesn't fucking matter anymore. <laughs> you know I what know, I mean? No, like, like, it, that's man. why I'm so pumped up. and Yeah, yeah, if go they, ahead. If
0: they, if they had a normal 52-second shot clock and they had Sisselberger playing the way he is, this season Oof. might be a wrap by now because that team would be electric. But I love what you just said about the Cannons, because right before you came on and joined me, I was just talking about the Cannons game last week. And as I'm sure you saw, Dukes got eaten alive by Twitter bros about his comment saying that the Cannons might be better without Lyle. Now, the way he said it, I feel like, is the the reason people jumped on him. I actually hinted at that in the offseason when I was saying do the yep. cannons move on once they got Holman and, and his father was the coach coming from an offense that Holman loves, which is fast pace, spin the ball, catch it off the pass and rip. That's not the style Lyle plays. Doesn't mean he's not one of the top three players in the entire world right now or even the best, but does that fit the scheme that O'Brien Brian Holman wants? And it really doesn't. If you watch Brian Holman's career as a coach, he likes spinning the ball. It's a reason why his son is that way. So I would argue are they better off without him? I think this offense is obviously better overall personnel wise, but I think it fits the scheme better without Lyle there trying to draw and dump or draw, you know, beat the slide and score. And I feel like people are eating dukes up, but it was a good point. I just think the delivery was a little off.
1: Yeah, a 1,000%. And you also know the most level-headed part of Twitter is uh, is lacrosse Twitter, the most level parted part of X or whatever the hell we're calling it no, now. No, we're calling it Twitter. Uh, yeah, I so am not you're, calling it that. Yeah, so you <laughs> – thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Like I feel like when I log into X, it's like I have to clear my browser history. I'm like, what the hell am I logging into right now? So, yes, it is Twitter for all intents and purposes. But, dude, I, I'm right there with you, and honestly – I was kind of hinting towards that going into the season as well because both things can be true. It can be true that Lyle Thompson is arguably one of, if not the most dominant on ball you know with the ball and his stick player that we have seen in recent history for sure but you can put him up there with some of the greats as well so that can be true while also saying that this cannons team is better without that element in the offense it's not to say that they were poor these last few seasons because of Lyle Thompson. I would say the only reason they were able to stay afloat was because of Lyle Thompson. The only reason they were able to be one of the best underdogs against the spread was because of Lyle Thompson. But now with this look, we're having the whole entire summation of the parts being what represents your offense, as opposed to just going through a prolific player that is now going up against week after week, the best defenders, having two guys lock him down that doesn't really fly in what we've seen in this field style that the PLL brings. So I think both of the statements can be true, but um, you, you can't have actual discourse on lacrosse Twitter. That no, That's not allowed, Beast. Like, like we already know that, man. Yeah. So it's we, either we, you're an idiot or uh, you're <laughs> an idiot instead of just being like, hey, both things are true and it's just fun to watch the cannons
0: again. Yeah, or you just watch somebody's three different burner accounts arguing with each other. Um, the... Oh. The – I think my – what I would love to see if Lyle came back was him playing with the chaos. I would love to see him in that offense. Uh,
1: he would fit in well there. Yeah. He would fit in well there, man, because because they they go from your ball dominant this week to your ball dominant this week yeah. to, hey, let's have Josh Burns score five goals this week. Um, I'm right there with you, and you can't – with that offense specifically, you can't just lock somebody off. I, I think because of what we see with eight teams – it's, it's hard to say you're able to, but just the way that the Cannons roster was constructed these last few years, it was shut down Lyle and let everybody else eat and see what happens. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I'm not sure with now the roster that they have, if it would be the same, but it's just conjecture to say that it wouldn't be.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that's a good segue because when we talk about the chaos this past week, I almost felt like a genius because my picks this past week were, I felt so strongly that the chaos we're going to lose by one. That they were going to cover, so I bet on their covering. I bet on the whip stakes, money line, and then I took the young under because I just believe in the under when it comes to um, uh, blaze. Even though Brad Smith was coming back, I knew it was going to make a difference. Wasn't prepared for that much of a difference, um, so I was I was two for three on that. But you know, give me a rundown. What did you think of that game?
1: Well, and also historically, what we've seen when the Whip Snakes are, you know, one and a half point favorites, they're actually the worst team as a favorite. Going back to 2021, they're six and 16 against the spread as favorites. And you're looking at a chaos team that all four of their covers this year have come when they're underdogs. So I was right there with you. When you're getting that one and a half, uh, you're probably, and really just Whip Snakes in general, like what do they win? They win one score games. Um, I I think that I was waiting to see this happen from the Whip Snakes. R- really, like you looked at who's in the standings and you know where these teams are falling. The one team that constantly looked out of place uh, was the Whip Snakes yeah. because you know what they have on that roster. You know that uh, they're always having that championship pedigree. I would argue that they're the team that probably has the most cohesive. Chemistry from top to bottom on the roster, and a lot of that happens because you know three four some of them are terrapins, so this so they do things yes. the terrapin way. Yes. But, um, but I, I was just waiting for this to happen now. Again, I'd like to see this game played at Homewood and, and see if Blaze gives up you know 17 goals. I would argue, probably not. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think this was coming for the Whip Snakes. Uh, And, um, you know, it's just what an absolute treat. The the just explosions that we saw on Sunday from a goal perspective. And I think the Whips are going to be around the rest of the season. Look at what the rest of their schedule is. This weekend they play Chrome. Chrome looks like they are just saying, give us Brennan O'Neill and let's let's ride. Uh, after that, the Whipsnakes, they do play Chaos again. So we'll get to see that rematch. And then the Whips are going to uh, take on the Archers. So that's really the, the marquee game. And then they end up the season against the Cannons. So they're going to get a win this week, likely against the Chrome. And then these last three weeks, you figure it out. I would be floored if they ended up dropping all the way to that eight spot, even with that tough back to the schedule. So if they get in the playoffs... You know nobody wants to see
0: the whips. I totally agree with you, I, and I was saying it earlier. I'm not saying anyone's tanking, um, but it just seems like the Brennan O'Neill be- isn't
1: a bad booby prize. <laughs> Brennan
0: O'Neill ain't a bad booby prize. You know? Like <laughs> we'll this, like the Chrome just seem like they're just completely disoriented, and absolutely. They and need- even when you look at the
1: the release of Dylan Malloy to the uh, to the player pool, um, you know, and, and again. Who knows what happens behind closed doors? There was clearly some friction on that roster. I'm not going to, you know, try and, and and act like I have any inside track information. But it definitely seems like, because the talent on that roster beast is just unreal. So the fact that they're not able to put it together, and not only put it together, like this is a team who struggles to get to double digits. When you have Logan Wisnowskis and Sam Handley and just these prolific scorers that, that you know, should be lighten the scoreboard up like you're seeing with some of these other teams and they can't even get to double digits like there has to be something there and where there's smoke there's fire
0: yeah and i think you could argue that the two teams that have gotten most affected by this 32 second clock are the atlas and the chrome and regardless Absolutely. of how the chrome have played since the inception of the league because most of the, of the years the chrome have been towards the bottom of the league they've always had connor farrell in the top three in the league and face off percentage and now you have an, a guy who was an all star one weekend, and then the next weekend he's close to not having a job. I mean, that is something that you got to take a look at. I mean, because that that's the one thing they didn't, they had before, and they don't have it now. Um, so you know, it's hard to take a look at the Chrome and say that they're going to be able, like the Whip Snakes. I feel like that win is going to catapult them to a couple more in a row. And when I look at the Archer's the Atlas and, like And this, especially, yeah, 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 go ahead. I, I, no, I'm just, I think, you know, with the Chrome, I think they're just going in completely different directions now. And I think, like you said, this West Snakes team still has their core. Guys who've won a championship that have been in probably uh, maybe more one-point games than any other team in the league, uh, history-wise, they're never shook. So if they got one, they got that win, they're like, yo, we're back. We just put up 17. We're good. Let's go. Um, so I can see things going in a good direction for the whips. If you're the Chrome and you go to one and six after this week, especially if, say, the Atlas win two, if you're in danger time where guys might start throwing in the towel. Start. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and exactly. I don't mean that by quitting. Exactly. It's I just, just mean by maybe you don't make that extra ground ball play. Yep. Maybe you don't get back on defense as hard. Something. Because um, you're starting to lose faith in, in what's going on. It's just
1: it's just the reality uh, of sports, you know. Just yeah. like you said, like nobody's just going to outright tank, but all as it takes is is one guy not going for that extra ball because you know fighting for that end line ball could be the difference between winning or losing a game, especially in a league where these margins are razor thin, um, and also. The thing is, is now that we're reaching this second half of the season, you're getting to see teams face each other for the second go-around. Yeah. And this game this weekend between the Whips and the Chrome is going to be a second go-around. And, and even though it kind of flies in the face of what we've seen historically, I mentioned how bad the Whips are, ATS against favorites. Um, I, I think the only way that I would look in this game is not only taking the Whips on the money line, I would lay the one and a half.
0: With I, the I definitely laid the one and a half on this. And and I'm taking the yeah, over. Yeah. Twenty-three and a half is a scary low number for me. Uh,
1: absurd. Yeah. And you can and even shop around. There's there's a twenty-two and a half out there. So grab the extra point too. And definitely I love that over at twenty-three. I adore it at twenty-two yeah. and a half. I and think there's gonna be goals in this one, even if the, the chrome doesn't hold up their end of the
0: bar. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it'll be interesting. So let's start the Archers Atlas, because that'll be the first game. Archers are favored by one and a half against the Atlas and this will be the best face-off matchup we've seen this year. Yep. You have, Thank God. I think it's flat out, you can't argue it, it's the two best face-off guys in the league right now. And this will be the first time we get to see those two go head-to-head. Um, they just spent an entire week together working our overnight camp. So it'll be interesting. Um, but I was just saying, like, one thing we got to look at, these guys, they're going against polls. They're going 29 for 30 every week. But they look like hamburger meat the poles are just like allowed to just slash them to death. And I don't know what they're going to do about it because, I mean, I just saw Sisselberger's leg. He is cut from his knee straight down to his ankle on his shin bone. Um, But regardless of that, aside from getting to finally see an awesome, epic face-off battle, which hopefully is not going to completely die out, what else do you see in this game? I mean, I'm taking archers at one and a half and i'm still on the fence about the ou because i think the ou is at 25 and a half on draftkings yep so yep. And, what how and, are you feeling about that
1: on, on it. well number one i i think um it's it's incredible that we're going to get two awesome games on ABC this weekend, but everything's sandwiched in between what I would argue could be potentially two games of the year in this oh, yeah. archers Atlas game. And then the water dogs cannons game. Like if you're not going to be glued to your set, I don't know what you're doing. So just from a fan perspective, I think they nailed it and it's nice that the schedule and, and the rankings you know, the standings have really lined up for an amazing weekend for hall of fame weekend in Homewood. Um, yeah. as far as from the betting perspective, um, this, this might be the sick pup play of the year. I, I think I'm going under the 25 and a half. Yeah. And, and I know that after what you saw last weekend, like this is, this is seriously like people are like, Greg, don't have this guy back on the podcast if he's coming on here and telling me <laughs> under 25 and a half. But the interesting thing is, is anecdotally these two teams light it up. You know what I mean? Every time that they face off, it's fireworks. Every time they faced off since 2021, the total has been 25 and a half. All three of those meetings have gone under the 25-and-a-half. And if you even just take it out of what this matchup is, when these two teams get around a higher total, the Archers are 4-and-0 to the under at games lined at 25-and-a-half. At games 25 and a half or higher for Atlas, they're 7-2 and two to the under. So you're asking a lot of goals, and you mentioned, you know, now you're starting to get a little bit banged up. Now you're not on the indoors. You're going to be on that hot turf in Baltimore. Um, and I also think, again, this is anecdotally, I want to run the numbers on it, but I, I didn't have time to. I think because of this 32-second clock, when you actually have a true face-off battle, I think it's not as much of a track meet. When you had fifty-two seconds, it was. You know, you were able to make it take it. I think it changes things a little bit. So my favorite play of the week is the ant acid special. Grab some tums. It's gonna get sweaty. Under (laughs) 25 and a half is the play for me to start. You know why I
0: love the under on this? There's a couple different things, and and starts with the face-off, is both of these guys, it's their first time playing each other. They're you know, you got Trevor, who's in the prime of his career. You got Sis, who is about to explode. And it's a pride thing. And I've been in pride face-offs. And those pride face-offs are, you're afraid to try to rip the ball out. You're going to stay in there, lock up. Um, they're both gaming the system. Matty Palin's created this situation. You can see face-off guys go down, and they just pretend like they're doing stuff because they want to go down second. And then as soon as the gloves hit, they're battling. And that's going to eat clock up. And then once the ball pops out, both teams are good at grinding. Now, here's the thing both teams are used to getting the ball 90% of the time off a of faceoff. The Atlas offense has been abysmal this year. So I'm not hanging on them to go out there and put up numbers. The Archers' defense is fantastic, and I don't think it gets enough credit because of how good their offense is. That being said, the Archers' offense is humming at a very high proficiency off the faceoff. However, I don't see Mike Sisselberger going 75% in this game. So, for all intents and purposes, say we're around 50% for both teams, that's half the amount of possessions they're used to getting off the faceoff. So, I wouldn't be shocked if you see both of these teams do the opposite of what we've seen and they go maybe a double pull or, you know, whatever. um, Because... It's completely different. They're not used to this. And if you're in a game and you're a team that's used to winning faceoffs over and over again, week in, week out, year in, year out, and all of a sudden you're getting the ball half as much, I feel like it's going to be a situation where we see less goals. So, and plus, 25 and a half is very high. So yeah. I feel good about this game, unless the archers go nuts and score 20 goals. Yep. I feel good about the under.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, like I said, like it's my favorite play of the weekend. But also with this game being on ABC, there are going to be live lines out. So you could also have an opportunity where you don't have to make your bet before the game. Maybe you wait, and if you do like the under, let's say there's three quick goals, and then that under jumps up to twenty eight and a half, twenty nine and a half on the live line. You get a much better line, a live line. But um, you know, even at twenty five and a half, it's something I feel comfortable enough going under that, uh, going under that number even though in a live bet you might be able to get a better one.
0: Okay, let's go to the whips and the chrome. I I feel like we're both very much in sync on this one. I feel like the whips are going to handle business here. The chrome, something's going to have to be very, very different in that locker room coming out. Um, I'm taking the whips at one and a half. I'm not a big betting minus one and a half, but I feel like there's two games. You know, the archers is one. This is the other that I, I almost don't have a choice this week.
1: Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like, the only way, I'm not sure if I'm going to, you know, pull money out of my pocket and do it, but the I, I definitely wouldn't be betting Chrome in this. I wouldn't be taking the one and a half. Um, so I think the only way that I could look is laying that with the whips. And, and I think more so you just go over that 22 and a half because if the Chrome are competitive in this game, it's because they're finally able to keep pace. Like, I don't see them winning a slobber knocker against the whips. Um, I could see this you know being an eight six final two um, but I think more likely uh, you're gonna be seeing this around you know like a like a 13 uh, 13 10 something like that maybe get us over right there by the hook so I think you're gonna see enough to get over the twenty two and a half. Um, that would be something that I that I would actually bet on. Then, then a pretty heavy lean to the Whip Snakes laying that one and a half. I, I think they get it done. And also, the only game that the Chrome Chrome won this year was the one that they won outright as dogs against the Whip Snakes. It's not that easy to beat the Whip Snakes twice in one year. I think everybody knows that. And the Whips finally caught some fire. I, I think that fire continues. I'm right there with you. Yeah,
0: that's that's the thing too. Is is on DraftKings it was twenty three and a half, and I'm not quite. I I agree with you. I think we're gonna get about twenty to twenty two, twenty three goals in this yeah, game. Yeah, it's a good line. Right. Like it's
1: gonna be right around that twenty three point corridor. Yeah. So if you can go out there and find that twenty two and a half, um I like the over at twenty three and a half. I think I would still bet it, but I would be a little bit more trepidatious with yeah. that. Maybe not as bigger of a, of a bet.
0: I also think that the reason the whips pulled put so many points up is because there was a face off battle last week. Yeah. And both teams were getting the ball half the time, whereas the Chrome are going to go prevent, And Petey has shown, even though he can win every single clamp, he takes the scenic route to get all the way into the box. And Stagg seems Mm -hmm. very calm, just saying, all right, we're just going to either score, we're going to throw it away, we'll play good defense Mm -hmm. once we get the ball back. That's like two minutes' worth of time. And if you do that for 20 to 25 face-offs a game, you're eating almost a quarter of shitty offense that doesn't count. So, you know, I I feel pretty good. If it stays at 23-and-a-half, I feel good about going with the under on that as well. Mm. All right, let's go to Sunday's slate. I feel like this is going to be a sneaky, awesome game. The Redwoods versus the Chaos, they're both 3-and-3. Both teams very much in it. The Redwoods seem to have an issue right now at the midfield. They just can't can't get it going. I don't know what the deal is. They're trying to move pieces around now. They got a little bit more offense last week. Definitely better than three goals, um, but what do you see on this one? Right now, the line is Woods at plus one and a half, and I'm very inclined to take that. I I would lean that way too.
1: I mean, when they uh, when they played, um, you know. <sighs> It, I think this one's just just really tough. Like this is probably the one I throw the X up on, and this is going to be the pass game for me uh, because I I could see either one of these two teams winning. Yeah. I, I could see the Redwoods. Here's the way. Here's the way that I would do it. Is I think if if you think the Redwoods cover the one and a half, they probably win the game. So maybe you just take them on the money line. You take that plus money. Um, because I, I think if the Redwoods keep it close, they probably do enough to win. I also think the Chaos—they're going to be coming in with a bad taste in their mouth from last week. Like everybody on that roster thinks they should have beat that game with the Whip so they're coming with a little bit of wind in their sails, as opposed to a Redwoods team that they were never even in that game uh, yeah. against against the cannons. So um, I, this is a stay away game for me. There's nothing that I would bet. But I guess I would lean towards the Redwoods, but it, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real low, low level. Uh, like I, I don't even like that a little bit. I, but I'm excited to watch this game. I'm right there with you. I think it could sneaky be potentially a game of the weekend that nobody saw coming, but I'm just not betting
0: on it. How do you feel about the OU? Because on DraftKings, it's 23 and a half. I feel like yeah, it's going to be a face-off like, battle. It's going to be a real face-off battle because yeah. I don't see Andy Towers ever deciding to not have a face-off guy out there on principle. But because of that, I feel like both of these teams can score, and I feel like I need to take the over on this game.
1: Yeah, and, and also, both the teams can score, but does Blaze Reardon have as bad of a week as he does two weeks in a I don't row? Think that, that's that's, a, that's a big...
0: I agree with you. I don't think that's going to yeah. be the case. Yeah, I, so I that, feel that's like the, the going to score the only gold. thing...
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. And then it's just there's always the but when you're talking about the chaos, you, you know, because if you argue the first time that these two teams faced off, that was the game where Blaze Reardon was announced out like 15 minutes before the game started. So everyone who was loving the chaos, our man Hutton Jackson, like that was like his big play of the year. He was like, I'm slamming the chaos with two fists. And then I was on the Redwoods and I was like, buddy. I'm sorry. Like I didn't even see that coming, but I'll take them how I get them. Uh, <laughs> now that Blaze Reardon will be in cage, I'm not sure if that's you know still thing uh, rolls out. But I'm always reticent to place overs in in Blaze Reardon games because this chaos team they're four and two to the under this season, and if you take out the game that went over last week because of what a horrible game that Blaze Reardon had, um, you know they're, they're four and one to the under. So. I'm with you. I think you could see some goals this week, but Blaze Reardon and Cage and a pissed-off Blaze Reardon, I can't do it. I can't ride with the over with you.
0: P- pissed-off Blaze is a scary thought. Um, it's a scary Blaze. It is. Yeah. It's, it's the scariest <laughs> of Blazes. Um, all right, let's finish yeah. up in, in what could very well be the game of the weekend. Water Dogs versus Cannons. 3.30 um, p.m. on Sunday. I believe it's on ABC. Um, and, you know, I think the Dogs were – a just one or two plays away from winning last week in the first place battle. The Cannons are hot. They're feeling themselves. Where where are you thinking here? I got so right now the dogs are one and a half plus one and a half. And I feel like I would be doing a disservice to myself if I didn't take that.
1: Yeah, I and honestly, I could totally see this game being a one-score game, and I think this is the game that uh, even the odds makers who, you know, everyone's always like, Vegas knows, you know, they always have the bead. Like, they don't know
0: what's going we'll on never, because we've never seen the green book. We've never seen this before. Yeah, at, at, at,
1: exactly. On, on the green book on DraftKings, you see the Cannons as the favorite. But over at FanDuel, the Water Dogs are the favorite. So both teams are minus one and a half, depending on which book you are. So I think you, you, you'd you find which team that you like to win this game, and, uh, and you just take the one and a half with them is, is the way that I would do. Like, like, take the plus one and a half, uh, you know, at either book there. But the one thing, you know, I talked about, oh, when the total's high, you go under. I wouldn't bet this this under with with Scotty Rogers' money, man. I, 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 there's no way. Like I'm going over the 25 and a half all day long in this yeah. one. I think fireworks to end the weekend. Um, I don't know who the hell is going to win this game. I think it is going to be edge of your seat all game long, but even with if Ward comes back from paternity leave and he's in cage, um, I, I you could never convince me. You could give me every stat in the world and I would take the over in this game. You know
0: what's going to be incredible is this is going to be concede bowl you got two teams that don't dress for guys. <laughs> but, but, now, yeah, I don't know if that means the I, I don't know what it's going to look like. Everyone's sitting here going, are two poles going to walk out there? Are they going to, on the yeah. whistle, both stand up? Are they going to try to false start yeah. to not get the ball first? Like, what are they going to do?
1: Yeah. Just, just rock, paper, scissors for it. If yeah. I'm yeah. the Rables, I'm sitting here <laughs> going,
0: please make it look awesome. And there's 35 goals scored. Because I think <laughs> most of hope. us are, are assuming there's going to be some kind of embarrassing train wreck on ABC. I hope it's not the case. But uh, this could change the way the rules go after this season based on this. I, I think this is a game that a lot of people since That's the All-Star point. break are like, here it comes. Uh, this is the, the paradox. I agree with you. I think if neither team suits up a face-off guy, that we're going to get a ton of faceoffs. It's going to be two guys yeah. maybe slapping at the ball. Both guys standing up, one grabbing it and going. I have no idea if I'm if I'm a Cannons team that or a Water Dogs team. Because the Cannons also cut Jake Fopp this week. They're they're all in on not having a face-off guy. Um, yep. so if I'm if I'm dressed and I'm that's my mentality, I don't know how you attack this. I don't know if you just go up there and dare the other team to win a face-off. But here's the thing <laughs> if Zach Courier goes up there against a the long pole rakes it, picks it up, and goes with two offensive minis on his wing. I feel like that's by far the best odds for the Water Dogs. As good as Eli's been, he's not going against a face-off guy this week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and also, you know, as far as – trying to decide who's going to cover the spread. This is two of, of the best teams against the spread this season. Waterdogs are 4-0 and at covering, the, or 4-2 and at covering the spread. The Cannons are the best sitting at 5-1 and against the number. So um, your guess is as good as mine, and that's why I'm just taking the 1.5 on whichever team you like in this one. And also, if you're able to get it on the Cannons, year over year, you know, we t- we talked about Duges getting buried. Even when Lyle Thompson was there, the Cannons 13-7 and 7 going past the last three sets, seasons as underdogs against the numbers so usually a good bet really the best underdog that we've seen in the pll from just a, a historical covering spread but uh yeah i just i gotta bet the over in this one if i'm being the sick pup and betting the under to start the weekend i'll sandwich it and then watch archers and atlas will be the highest scoring game that we've ever seen this game will be a 3-2 slobber not yeah. just because that's that's how betting because goes. because you so
0: know far. what that's yeah. how betting goes and, and if anything it's how the pl goes just when you think you got it figured out you don't Yep. The hey. rug is pulled out. <laughs> Dan, dude, thanks for so much for coming on here, man. we got to do this way more often. I love breaking the games down like this with you. Um, if you and, and give us, once again, what is your number one lock? What's your favorite bet for this week?
1: My favorite bet, again, have the antacids on hand. We're going under to start off the weekend. Under 25 and a half. Archer's Atlas, the sick pup play of the year. That's where we're
0: going. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, thank you very much, dog, for coming on. Uh, we'll hopefully see you next week, brother.
1: Absolutely. Absolute pleasure, my guy. I'm down anytime, beast. Have a good one.
0: You bro. too, man. All right. Well, thank you again, Dan Alexander, PLL bets, our buddies. Over there, giving us some lines, giving us some action, talking about the games from last week and this week. I'm excited to keep this thing going. We will see you guys next week. Thank you very much. Please be sure to share, subscribe, like. Tell your friends about the show. We're going to keep this thing going. I'm having a blast with you guys. Make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Give us your feedback. If you guys want us to add a segment or add a a guest, throw it at us. We're all about it. We're all about this league. We're all about this sport. And we're having a great time. And so you guys have a phenomenal week. We'll see you for PLL Baltimore, and we'll keep this thing rolling.